week by week from the pick of new material, from the pages of best-selling novels, from the theater of Broadway and London, and the sound stages of Hollywood, will parade the most remarkable figures ever known. CBS gives you suspense. Benny, the two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. It's 2017, and welcome to another episode of our celebrating of suspense 75th anniversary. And this show's from 75 years ago, unfortunately, are missing. But we do have a show from 70 years ago called Money Talks. It's from July 3rd, 1947. Stars Alan Baxter, Barry Kroger, Kathy Lewis, and Russell Thorson. It's about a young and ambitious man who becomes a teller in a bank. And with suspense, who knows where it'll go from there. You'll have to tune in and find out. Then we jump ahead five years. And we have the episode with probably the biggest actor of all three episodes. And that actor is Everett Sloan. Everett Sloan was one of the stable of actors that Orson Welles would use in his radio show, and he also used Everett Sloan in... He played he played the character Mr. Bernstein in Orson Welles' presentation of Citizen Kane. Of course, an amazing film, and so he's part of cinema history by being in that film. Then, um, over a decade later... He would be in Rod Serling's breakthrough script, Patterns, um, that was done live for television, and it made uh, Rod Serling a household name, and Rod Serling would later go to create Twilight Zone, of course, because of the momentum started with the film uh, Patterns. And Patterns was, uh, like I say, a live television portrayal that Everett Sloan was in, and that it was also created into a film that Everett Sloan was in as well. Now, the last bit of Everett Sloan trivia I'll give you is he was on The Andy Griffith Show at least once, but did you know that he wrote the lyrics to The Andy Griffith Song? And you're saying, wait a minute, there are no lyrics to that song. There's just whistling. Actually, there are lyrics. And he wrote them. They just never got played for you. But... I will give you a chance at the end of this podcast intro to hear Andy Griffith singing the theme song to his show with the actual lyrics written by Everett Sloan. Pretty cool to hear that. Um, so that'll be coming up right after I'm done here in just a minute. So, where was I at? Oh yes, Everett Sloan. He appeared he appeared in the, in the episode Alibi from 1951. It's from July 7th, 19, I mean, 1957. From July 7th, 1957. And in that episode, he is a businessman who hires an assassin. Hmm, sounds interesting. After that episode, we jump ahead another five years to 1962. 
And from July, let me see where I'm going, July 8th, 1962, we grab The Sin Eater. And I think it's interesting to read about this. It's an old Welsh custom to allow a sin eater to take away your sins while lying on your deathbed to allow you admittance into heaven. But every so many years, when the sin eater grows old and is on his own deathbed, someone else must take his place and become the new sin eater. Interesting. You'll have to tune into that episode. But, let's start off with Andy Griffith singing us the theme song to the Andy Griffith Show with lyrics by Rip Sloan. Enjoy. Well now take down your fishing pole And meet me at the fishing hole We may not get a bite all day But don't you rush away What a great place to rest your bones And mighty fine for skipping stones You'll feel fresh as a lemonade Setting in the shade Whether it's hot Whether it's cool what a spot for whistling like a fool What a fine day to take a stroll And wander by the fishing hole I can't think of a better way To pass the time of day Or else pull up a weed to chaw And maybe set and jaw Hanging around Taking our ease Watching that hound Us scratching at his flea Come on, take down your fishing pole And meet me at the fishing hole I can't think of a better way To pass the time of day Suspense. In the finest homes and restaurants where distinguished hospitality is a gracious tradition, the choice in wines is C-R-E-S-T-A, B-L-A-N-C-A, Cresta Blanca, Cresta Blanca. Yes, the best served Cresta Blanca. And whatever the occasion, there's a magnificent Cresta Blanca California wine to bring rare pleasure to every discriminating taste. That's why, for gracious dining this holiday weekend, the smart hostess offers her guests distinguished Cresta Blanca wines from the finest of the vines. Shenley's Cresta Blanca Wine Company, Livermore, California. And now, for Roma Wines, that's R-O-M-A. Roma Wines for your everyday pleasure, 
Chenley brings you radio's outstanding theater of thrills. Suspense. Tonight, Roma Wines of Fresno, California present Alan Baxter as star of a suspense play produced, edited, and directed for Shenley by William Spear. Alan Baxter in Money Talks, a remarkable tale of suspense. I had my credentials and letters of recommendation in my hand and was wearing the dark blue with a conservative pinstripe and a Van Heusen collar with a knit tie and was showing it all off to Mr. Purley. Mr. Purley was one of a mere eight vice presidents of the Bankers Industrial Trust Company. He had a big shiny desk with nothing on it and a kind of a mind that went right along with it. He was my meat. Uh, well, Mr. <coughs> Goff, of course the bank does occasionally have openings for the right kind of man. Well, I don't like to blow my own horn, Mr. Curly, but... Uh, have you had any previous experience in banking, Mr. Goff? No, sir, I haven't, but uh, there's this. Ah, yes, yes. So you're a graduate of the Harvard Business School. Yes, sir. Investment banking was my field. Hmm. Well, I must say, Mr. Goff, your grades there were exceptional, most exceptional. I worked hard, Mr. Purley. Banking was my first love, you might say, ever since I can remember. It's always been more than just a business to me. It's been, well, I suppose you could call it an ideal, a sacred trust, and the best tradition of our financial and national institutions. <laughs> I guess that sounds a little romantic. No, but... not at all, Mr. Goff, not at all. I see you graduated four years ago, Mr. Goff. Now, during the past four years? Well, you know how it's been with everybody the last... Four years. Oh, of course. I, I didn't see you wearing any veterans' insignia. I don't like to be ostentatious about it, Mr. Purley. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, do you understand, Mr. Goff, that you'd have to start in a rather minor capacity? Oh, I'm not worried about that, sir. Frankly, Mr. Purley, I'm ambitious. Without being conceited, I'm confident I can make my mark with Bankers Industrial. You'll give me a chance. Uh, I like your attitude, Mr. Goff. You come in tomorrow morning. I think we can work something out. Thank you, Mr. Purley. This is a day I'll never forget. I think I can safely predict that you won't either. I gave him the old do-or-die, look-him-straight-in-the-eye handshake, and he left. That was more than two years ago. The whole thing was phony as an $8 bill, all but the part about ambition. There was nothing phony about that. I was going to make my mark with a banker's industrial, all right. About a hundred thousand dollars worth. You probably know how a bank works, the bookkeeping, I mean. All day long, the tellers pay it out and take it in, and then at three o'clock, the bank closes. Only that's when the work really begins. Because then the tellers have to hand over their checks and receipts and statements of cash on hand to girls, you see, running those big calculating machines. When it's all over, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth in a big bank like this one, it has to balance out to the last penny. I mean penny. That's where Anita Willoughby came in. She was young and demure looking, but sort of intense too, if you know what I mean. She looked like just what the doctor ordered. Of course, I couldn't start anything in the bank. Banks are poison on office romances. You'll see why after a while. But a couple of weeks of little attentions and I was ready just happened that I was looking into the window of a men's furnishing store. She was passing by on her way home. I was lighting a cigarette, and it just happened. I turned suddenly, and of course, it just happened. I bumped right into it. Oh! Why, Miss oh. Willoughby. Oh, I am sorry. Oh, it's all right, Mr. Goff. It's, 
startled me a little. Terribly clumsy of me. You on your way home? Going my way? I don't know. What is your way, Mr. Garth? Well, as a matter of fact, I was just going down here a couple blocks to where I left my car. You have a car, Miss Willoughby? No, unfortunately, I don't. Well, then, perhaps I could give you a lift, Miss Willoughby. Perhaps you could, Mr. Garth. Well, we wound up having dinner. It went on from there. After the first ten minutes, I knew that demure act was strictly something for Mr. Purley and the adding machine. Anita Willoughby was smart. She'd been around and she knew the score. In a way, I was glad of this because it would take less sales talk later on. But in another way, it was too bad, really. It was too bad because I was going to have to kill her. Suspense, Roma Wines are bringing you Alan Baxter in Money Talks. Roma Wines' presentation tonight in radio's outstanding theater of thrills, Suspense. Suspense, radio's outstanding theater of thrills, is presented for your enjoyment by Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma California Wines. Those better-tasting wines enjoyed by more Americans than any other wine. Speaking of enjoyment, here's a practical hint from Roma to make your holiday weekend cool and comfortable. Whether you're planning a trip to the country, a gay picnic at the beach, or a quiet rest at home, keep cooler with refreshing Roma wine and soda. Simply half-filled glasses with Roma Burgundy, Roma Sauterne, or your favorite Roma wine. Fill up with ice and soda, sweeten to taste, and garnish with a fragrant sprig of mint or colorful fruit slices. You'll find delicious Roma wine and soda America's smartest way to cool off. A wonderful way to say welcome when friends drop in. A marvelous thirst quencher anytime. To beat the heat, you can't beat refreshing Roma wine and soda iced. Made with better tasting Roma wine from America's greatest reserves of fine wine. And now Roma wines bring back to our New York soundstage Alan Baxter in Money Talks. A tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. If you're cool-headed and cold-blooded, if you have a plan, if there's something you really want, all the laws and locks in the world won't stop you from latching onto it. That's what I'd always figured, and that's what I've figured now. That's why I sold two years of my life to a bank for a lousy 60 bucks a week. That's why I made the play for Anita. That's why I was going to have to kill Anita. But before that, there was a lot of other ground I had to cover with Anita. I spent six months more covering it, and then I was ready. We were having dinner at a quiet little place we used to go to, and Anita was happy as a lark. I was bearing down hard on an act I'd been working up all week. What's the matter, Cliff? No, I don't know. Oh, come on. You've been moody like this for days on your mind? Well, it's about us, I guess. Well, what about us? Well, I don't know. When I first started to work in that salt mine two years ago, I thought I was going to set the world on fire. But now... What's all this got to do with us, Cliff? What kind of a life is it to look forward to? Two years and I'm third assistant cashier. Maybe in ten years I'll even get to be first cashier. So what? Well, you didn't expect them to make you majority stockholder, did you? Or if you did, you shouldn't have. Honey, I wish we could get away from here. Go places, see things, have fun. So do I, Cliff. Yeah, but on what? Well, 
Maybe in ten years or so, when you are first cashier. All right, laugh at me. I got it coming. <laughs> it's a job, that's all, Claire. That's the way most jobs are. But it's not the kind of job you want your husband to have, is it? My husband? What do you think I've been talking about all this time? What's the use if we can't look forward to getting married and having some fun, some romance, some glamour in our lives? <sighs> well, it's a funny proposal, Cliff, but I... I like what it says. Yeah, but if some guy with a hundred thousand bucks came along, I can't blame you. I'd rather have you with my hundred thousand, Cliff. Darling, why can't we have both? Where's the justice in it? When I think of the millions, millions in cash money that's gone through my hands in the past two years, what have I got? Doesn't it make you feel funny sometimes, Cliff? What? Handling all that money. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes I can almost hear it talking to me. So can I. You too, huh? Listen, Nina. Do you ever get to thinking how you could get that hundred thousand? Of course I have. But I never thought of a way it would work. Suppose you had. Suppose there was one. Listen, Cliff. I've got no scruples. You only live once. But I'm allergic to penitentiaries. I asked you a question. You mean a, a way that was absolutely certain? Guaranteed safe? Yeah. I'd buy it. Ah. Listen, baby. You know what's the matter with all those guys that try to clip a bank? They're not dishonest. <laughs> no, I mean it. Look what happens. What always happens. The guy's hard up or he's got a tip in the market or the races or something, and he dips into the till. Yeah. And after a while, he takes a little more and then a little more, but he always figures he's going to pay it back. He covers it up with a lot of fancy bookkeeping. Till along comes some auditor that's a little smarter than he is, and Bluey, the big vacation, the long-term lease. All because the guy is fundamentally honest. <laughs> Well, you can't win, I guess. Oh, listen. You know the guys that do? The big shots, the president's board chairman. When those guys clip a bank, they grab themselves anywhere from a hundred grand to a cool million one fine night and blow. You never hear of them again. But you can bet they're sitting pretty somewhere. You know why? Because they were dishonest. They planned it. They'd laugh themselves to death at the idea of paying it back. Only you're not a big shot, darling. Listen, they do it all at one clip. They're out of the country before anybody finds out. That's what I'm talking about. Sure, but they have the chance. You don't. No. But us, between us, we do. We? Listen, Dick Breen, the first cashier, takes his vacation in August. Every Thursday, Jerry Malone, the second, goes over to investment. They're teaching that side of the business. That means that for two Thursdays in August, I take his place and consign for cash from the vault. But Claire... Wait a minute. And all I have to do is give you a receipt so that when you add it up at the end of the day, we get our balance. Don't you see it? What kind of a receipt? Any kind. One of the big payroll receipts will do it. How you... How do I get it? I write it myself. You won't question it. Oh. Now, do you get it? Oh, it's awful risky, Cliff. What about the next day? That's what I've been trying to tell you. You don't wait for the next day. Do you realize how far from these United States you can get in 18 or 20 hours nowadays? You can get to places where you can live like a king for the rest of your life on $100,000. The rest of my life, Cliff? Sure, baby, sure. Why not? Well, what about it? All right, Cliff. I'll do it. The first Thursday in August was six weeks away, but waiting for them to pass was like living through six lifetimes. We went over it again and again, every detail, every possible variation. There's no use saying I wasn't nervous, because I was. A couple of times I even thought Nita and I were being followed in the car. It was that bad. I managed to keep under control at the bank, and the big day finally rolled around. 
I waited until about a quarter of twelve, just before the noon rush hour, and then I marched over to Mr. Purley's desk, trying to look casual and nonchalant. This was the worst part. Right here, right now. My hands were sweating and my mouth was dry until I began to be afraid the words would stick in my throat. There was nothing to it, really. It's the kind of things that's done every day in a bank, but not the way I was doing it. Sure, I was scared. Oh. Hello, Cliff. What is it? You want to countersign this for me, Mr. Purley? Uh, 104000 Cash? Yeah, Eastern Chemical. They, they want us to get their payroll together on Thursdays after this. Some kind of new accounting system over there. Oh, oh. Yeah. There you are. Thank you, Mr. Purley. There it was, just as simple as that. After all those weeks of worry and jumpy nerves, there it was. I went to the vault and drew the cash, and the worst was over. I came out on the floor again. The noon crowds were beginning to line up in front of the windows, keeping everybody on the jump and minding their own business. I took over Harrison's cage, same as I always did at the lunch hour, and I don't think he even noticed the canvas bag I was carrying. It's that usual. After he left, I simply took a minute to transfer the cash from the bag into my own briefcase, and that was that. When he came back, I strolled over to Anita's machine with the Eastern chemical receipt that I'd made up the night before. Oh, Miss Willoughby. Yes, Mr. Goff. Eastern chemical has changed their payroll day to Thursday. Here's the receipt. Don't forget to include it in your tally. Yes, Mr. Goff. There was nothing to do now but sweat it out until 5 o'clock. I went out to lunch myself, but I didn't eat much. I was beginning to get nervous again. Went back to my desk and tried to look busy. But I kept thinking of all the things that could go wrong. Pearly happened to call Eastern Chemical on some other business. But if it turned out to be one of those days that come about twice a year when you can't get a balance and you can't find the error and everybody has to go over every transaction of the day until they do, that 104,000 item would stand out like a red flag at a businessman's lunch. I was beginning to think about what I would have to do afterwards, too. Well, that wasn't getting me anywhere, and I knew it. Finally, three o'clock came, the bank closed. The gang went to work on their totals, and the girls began to bring me their balance sheets. Anita was the last one. Here you are, Mr. Goff. Balance? Uh-huh. How are the others? Well, I guess that's all then, Miss Willoughby. Good night. Good night, Mr. Goff. Oh, Mr. Purley. Oh, uh, yes, Cliff. Oh, I got your balance? Yes, sir. All in order, I guess. Here you are. Uh-huh. All right, Cliff, thank you. Well, going to do a little homework tonight? Huh? A pretty bulky briefcase you're taking home there. Oh, yeah. Yes, I wanted to do a little reading up on that South American situation. Uh, good boy. Well, good night, Cliff. Good night, Mr. Purley. Well, I had $100,000 in wonderful bright green folding money. Driving out of town, I felt edgy and depressed. I even got the idea I was being followed again. I knew what it was all about. Of course, it was Anita, what I was going to have to do. I tried to forget it up until now. I tried to kid myself there'd be some other way. But I knew there wasn't. She was smart. Too smart. She'd have the little boys in blue after me before I could get to the airport. One thing was for sure. I wasn't splitting that dough with her or anyone else. So it had to be this way. It just had to be. So far, I was pretty sure the idea had never entered her head. I let her get the plane tickets to Mexico, although, of course, I had others of my own to Rio. And I told her to meet me at the little shack I had in the country because it would be safer. 
She'd already arrived when I got there. Cliff? It's okay, baby. Are you ready? Of course. You're early. Are you sure? You mean, did I get it? Uh, Look at that. What do you think that stuff is, huh? How about that? So you did. You really did. Of course I did. Did you think I wouldn't? Well, something might have gone wrong, Cliff. Not with me, baby. Not with me. Have you got that Eastern chemical receipt? I told you to slip it out of the heap when you got through. Yeah, I've got it. Let's see it. Uh, here. Uh huh. Okay, that's all I need. That's what? I'm sorry about this, Nita. Honestly, I really am. Cliff, no, no, no. Got the rope and tied her up and tied a towel over her head, mostly because I didn't want to see her face. And I got out the gasoline and spread about half of it around the room. I took the rest of it down the cellar and poured it in a big shallow pan I had down there. There was a candle set in the middle of the pan and it came about three inches above the level of the gasoline. It would take about two hours to burn down. By that time, I'd be in a plane over the Atlantic Ocean. The way it was pretty rugged and I felt sort of bad about it. But you always hear that they suffocate from the smoke before the fire ever gets to them. So I lit the candle, and I got out of there. Well, it was over. It was done with now. And I began to hear it again. All the way down there in the clipper, I could hear that money talking. Maybe I'd get a rancho, one of those cattle outfits with a big hacienda and a couple dozen servants. Plenty of dough in Argentine beef. Or maybe it'd be oil or nitrates. All I knew for sure was that this hundred thousand was only the beginning. The smart operating, I'd roll it up to a million before I was 40. In Rio, I registered under my new name of Clarence Gage for the best suite in the best hotel in town. Got ready to relax. Next day, I got the times that they fly down here for the big shots, and there it was on the suburban page. They found Anita, and she'd been identified by jewelry and stuff. It mentioned that she was employed at the banker's industrial and hinted she might have been in some trouble there. That was all to the good, and I relaxed even more. And then the next day, I got a very funny feeling. All the way up in the elevator, I felt it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. When I opened my door, I liked it even less. Mr. Gage... Yeah? Who are you? Gorman's the name. Sam Gorman. You and me have got a little business to transact. Have we? I don't think I know you, Mr. Gorman. Well, maybe this heater will jog your memory, huh? Guns never remind me of anything but trouble, and I don't like trouble. But you got it, Mr. Goff. You got it. All right. What's the pitch? You mean this heater doesn't remind you of anything? Like money? About a hundred grand? Or somebody named Anita? You got a rotten memory, haven't you? You're a cop. You're wasting your time. Cop? <laughs> I know some guys who get a big kick out of that. No, I'm no cop, Mr. Goff. Well, let's talk then. What do you want? Can't you guess, Mr. Goff? I wouldn't try. I want the dough, Mr. Goff. The money. What makes you think you're going to get it? Well, for one thing, this. Wouldn't try that again. Gun or no gun. No. Cut it out, Sam. I said no rough stuff. Nita. Yeah? 
Well, I owe him at least that much. Oh, don't be silly, Sam. All we want is the money. Now start looking for it. Sure, he just tried to fry in gasoline, that's all. No rough stuff. Did it just make complications with the local police and you know it. Now stop being jealous and find the money. Nita, they said what's well, said in the paper. That, that little you... fire at your place? Oh, they found somebody all right. <laughs> just didn't happen to be me. You don't mean... You didn't deliberately... Get him, will you? I don't think the guy's got much of a sense of humor, should he? It was somebody Sam didn't like. And nobody's ever been missed. All right, I've got no sense of humor. Maybe I'm dumb, too. I don't get it. Well, you see, Cliff, we never did like the idea of leaving the country. You said it. But this way, I'm off the hook. We can go back any time we want to, because legally, I'm dead. And may I ask who this we is that suddenly got into the conversation? Me and Sam. My husband. Your husband? That's me. Mm Mm-hmm. I went to work in the bank for the same reason you did, Cliff. It was going to be a stick-up, and I was going to help from the inside. Only your way seems so much better. Well, how do you like that? Yeah. How does it feel, Wonder Boy? And me trying to tell you how to be dishonest. Ah, oh, there don't have to be any hard feelings, Cliff. At least I don't have any. It was really Sam's fault what happened to me. What? Or almost did. He lost you somehow, following you out to the place. We were almost certain that you'd try it, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I still owe him some lumps for that. A hundred thousand really wasn't enough for both of us. For two bits, I'd give it to Sam, him. Sam, haven't you found that money yet? No, come on. Where is it, Wonder Boy? I don't think I have it here, do you? I do. Look for a brown leather briefcase, Sam. Two will get you ten. It's all right there. Yeah? Well, here's the briefcase. Well, well, well. Mm-hmm. I guess Wonder Boy just didn't have much confidence in banks, eh? Not that I blame him. Well, I guess we'd better get going. Listen, Nita, it was a bum deal all the way around. Uh huh. I'm really Wasn't sorry. It? I'm sorry about that other part, about you, I mean. I believe it. You even said so. No hard feelings, Cliff. I think Wonder Boy is leading up to something. Yeah, I can see you're the intellectual type. All right. How about leaving me a little? Nuts. Why not, Sam? Just a thousand or so. What's the use? They won't get him any place, even down here. Listen, you don't think I'm going to stick around down here now, do you? I've got to get back to the States and make another pitch. Give him the money, Sam. One thousand. And, uh, Cliff. Yeah? I'd be a little careful about going back to the States if I were you. Sure. That goes double, Nita. What does? About being careful. I don't get it. You will. When that money begins to talk. about honor among thieves. But it could have been worse. I'd only lost two years of my life, not all of it. So a month later, I was out in the West Coast, credentials, dark blue pinstripe, Van Heusen and all, and this time the sucker was a Mr. Ambrose. Uh-huh. Well, your record at the business school is certainly impressive, Mr. Gage. Well, I worked hard, Mr. Ambrose. Mm-hmm. Banking has always seemed more than just a business to me. It's been... Well, an ideal, a sacred trust, and the best tradition of our financial and national institutions. Ah, you've got the right spirit, Mr. Gage. Come in tomorrow morning, and uh, I think we can work something out. So, it all began all over again. Only about three months later, there was a little man in a derby hat standing in line in front of my window, and his business was strictly personal. Clarence Gage? Yes, that's right. Can we have a little private talk? Well, I guess... Oh, can you take over for me a minute, Harry? 
And it may be for a little bit longer than a minute. Well, now, what can I do for you, Mr. Uh... I used to work on the name of Clifford Goff on the East Coast. Oh. Yeah. Headquarters. Listen, you got me all wrong on that. I didn't have anything to do with it. What would I be working here for if I had that kind of dough? I can prove to you I never got a cent. Now, wait a minute. You knew the girl, didn't you? Sure. When I heard what had happened, well, I'd been going around with her and I got scared, that's all. Yeah, I bet you did. Well, she's dead. Anita? Oh, no, she's not dead. It was another girl that... Get your coat, Mr. Goff. You're under arrest for attempted murder and grand larceny. <laughs> Funny thing, what happens to people when they hear that money begin to talk? I guess Anita finally heard it, too, before she died. You see, Sam Gorman had started a big gambling joint in Las Vegas, and it was held up, and he was killed. There was a girl with him that was killed, too, Anita. But before she died, she talked plenty, told him everything. Well, she won't talk anymore, but that money will. Wonder who that money is talking to now. Just a moment, we will bring you Alan Baxter, tonight's star of Suspense. Presented by Roma. That's R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, America's largest selling wines. When you enjoy your favorite Roma wine, you taste the rich reward of nature's treasure. Selected grapes pressed at the peak of taste goodness, then guided unhurriedly with the ancient skill of Roma master vintners and winemaking resources unmatched in America to taste perfection. These Roma wines are placed with mellow Roma wines of years before. And from these, the world's greatest wine reserves, Roma later selects for your pleasure. This holiday weekend, when entertaining friends, serve Roma California wines. Yes, for a grand and glorious fourth, enjoy better-tasting amber Roma sherry, ruby red Roma port, or golden Roma muscatel. And you enjoy America's favorite wines, now at lowest prices in years. This is Alan Baxter. It was a great pleasure to appear on tonight's broadcast of Suspense. Next week, Suspense will again originate from New York, when Roma Wines will bring you one of the most provocative and glamorous actresses in America, Miss Gloria Swanson. Tonight. Tonight's Suspense play was written by Robert L. Richards. Next Thursday, same time, you will hear Miss Gloria Swanson as star of Suspense. Produced for Shenley by William Spear. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Suspense. And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure... William N. Robeson. Murder's tricky stuff to fool around with. Like nitroglycerin, H-bombs, and a woman's heart, you have to know how to handle it. And when an amateur dabbles in the murder market, well, as they used to say in ancient Rome, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. Listen. Listen then to what happened to such an innocent as Everett Sloan stars in Halibi, which begins in exactly one minute. 
In the great legends of America, there was always room for the fairer sex. Now, I don't know if you'd call stack of dollars the fairer sex, or if she'd be what you might call a pinup girl, but she sure impressed many men along the Mississippi during the early riverboat days. She had two diamond teeth with gold fillings, and when she opened her mouth with a sunburst smile, didn't they glitter? She feared nothing and nobody. Her motto was, come clean or come dirty and get cleaned. She could put a knot on a bully's head so big he wouldn't know whether the knot was on him or he was the knot. She had a full bosom, wore an eight-gallon Stetson, smoked cheroots. She ruled the levee with her big fist, and her boyfriend claimed he liked her because she whooped him so good. Yes, that was the gal called Stack of Dollars. <laughs> Folklore belongs to every nation's legendary past, and I guess we Americans have our share of some tall ones. And now... Mr. Everett Sloan in Alibi. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. There was nothing to it, really, once I'd made up my mind. That was the hard part, making up my mind. Not that Hannigan would be any great loss to anybody, including himself. But after all, you don't often go shopping for somebody to bump off your business partner. Never mind how I found the address. It was a grimy storefront between a press while you wait tailor and a fly-blown fruit store. Dusty cigarette stand-up posters littered the window. Inside, there was a stock of tobacco and candy that wouldn't have tempted a five-year-old. Not much danger of customers disturbing you here. A pair of sharp eyes under a green eye shade were looking at me. Yeah? I... I want to see Barney... Oh, I, I phoned him. He, he gave me this address. Back there. Thanks. Come in. Uh, are you Barney? So? Well, I, I phoned you yesterday. My name Never is... Never mind. You wanted a job done, is that it? Well, yes. Short job or all the way? A short job? You just want to scare the guy? Break his arm or rough him up? No, no. Uh, this has to be all the way. You see, he's my business partner and... The big I... chill is a thousand bucks in advance. A thousand? But I heard... What you heard don't count, mister. Well, I, I, I've got five hundred here. I'll be able to get the rest easily enough as soon as... As soon as you get your mitts in the till, huh? Oh, no, it's it's not that way at all. It, it's just that Hannigan, he put the money in the business and, and he watches it like a hawk. He, he'd slap me in jail in a wink if I... Probably is ready to slap you in jail already, no? How did you know? Not hard to guess. Well, as soon as he checks the books, first of the month... Only Hannigan ain't gonna be around the first of the month, is he? Uh, that's right. If you get busy and scare up to the rest of the grand, that is... But there's no time. Tomorrow is the first. So? Oh, no, please, Bonnie, you've got to trust me. I'll pay you on my word of honor. On your what? Oh, well, you know what I mean. I, I swear it, Barney. 
Well, I ought to have my head examined. Oh, thanks. Thank you. I'll take the five on account. Uh, yeah, sure. Here. I'll, uh, I'll get you the rest tomorrow. Okay. How about the subject? Where do we find him? Well, I, I, I don't want anything around the office, you understand? He lives in the Gatesworth. Gatesworth, huh? Better if we could catch him outside. Oh, well, he lives by the clock. Every night at 9, uh, never later than 9.15, he goes to the drugstore across the street for a hot malted milk. Uh, helps put him to sleep. Fine. We can do a car job. What's he look like? Oh, I've got a, got a picture here. Good, I'll take it. Now, you'll destroy that uh, later. I don't think you appreciate it, mister, the favor I'm doing you. This is the first time I ever worked a job without the green stuff in my hands, all of it. Oh, oh, I appreciate it, honestly, I... And I sure hope I don't have no trouble with you. Oh, no, 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 you can count on me. That's good, I hate trouble. Now we gotta fix you up with an alibi. Me? Sure, you. Who are the cops gonna think of first when your partner gets the blast? Oh. Don't worry, we take care of our customers. The law won't get the first base... Because you'll be all sewed up with an airtight alibi. Well, I, I, I thought I, I'd just take a trip out of town. Where to? What for? Who are you going to see? Why, uh... Skip it. That's the first thing they all think of. Well, I never thought... That's the trouble with you amateurs. You never think. Well, if I, I just stayed home with my wife? No. And we can't have your visiting friends either. You'd blow the deal before you said three words. Oh, I don't think I... You're not... Look, you're paying me to do your thinking, mister. We got our own skins to look out for, too. Now, what business did you say you were in? Uh, tea and coffee, wholesale. Ever stop for a drink on your way home? Yeah, sometimes. All right, tell you what we'll do. You know the pelican? Yeah. Be at the pelican at six. Somebody will meet you. You stick with him and you'll be in the clear. Yeah, but who... I'm thinking of a guy I can trust named Allen. He's got a couple of restaurants. You can be selling them coffee, catch? Well, if you think it's necessary. Here, mister. Here's your five bills back. Well, what do you mean? Get yourself another boy. Oh, no, now, wait a minute. You can't back out on me now. If Hannigan gets a look at those books, I... I'll, I'll do anything you say. The Pelican at six, Mr. Allen. Well, that's better. Now, you just follow orders and everything's going to work out just dandy. I walked out of Barney's with a feeling of elation. As for Hannigan, I felt no qualms about ending his miserable existence... He was old, withered, a man who had never in his selfish life done anything to help or comfort another. I had taken him into the business when I needed money. He had plenty of that, but I saw mighty little of it. No, I wasn't at all sorry I'd gone to Barney. Oh, of course, Barney'd been a little too pessimistic about this alibi business. No reason I couldn't handle it myself. Why... I could go into the Pelican right now and more likely than not run into somebody I knew. But when I got there, there was something different about it. The neon signs weren't lighted and there was a notice nailed to the door, closed for violation. Yeah, how about that, Mark? What? Padlocked. I got a thirst. Oh, oh hello, Lee. 
Yeah, well, the Pelican isn't the only place in town. Let's drop around to Moriarty's. Uh, no, I, uh, I'm afraid I can't, Lee. Ah, nonsense. You look like you could use a drink. Anyway, I haven't seen you for a month of Sundays, and I'm not going to let you get away before I buy you a piece of booze. There isn't much you can do with a persistent pal. Nothing much without making him suspicious. So I went along. Anyway, I still had plenty of time. Sure, Barney made it sound hard, building himself up. Sitting at Moriarty's with Lee, I, I had to laugh to myself at how easy it was. Why, I could take this fellow here, a casual business acquaintance, invite him to dinner, spend the evening with him, and I'd have my alibi. The, the shock of finding the pelican closed wore off. The pleasant, inconsequential chit-chat over the smooth martinis was soothing, and, and then I was jolted. I can't see how you stand it, Mark. Tied to a skin flint like Hannigan just because you need his capital. And if it was me, I'd be tempted to bump the old coot off. <laughs> hey, what happened, man? Oh, here. Let me get my handkerchief. Oh, no. It's, it's not your fault. I, I've got to go. I, I just remembered. Appointment. What on earth had possessed me to talk about Hannigan? Barney was right. Dead right. I couldn't trust myself to face an evening with anybody I knew. I'd give myself away, sure. I, I looked at my watch. It was 6.30, and I was supposed to meet Barney's man at 6. I hurried back to the Pelican. It was still dark, of course, and there wasn't anyone waiting around who looked like he might be waiting for me. So I, I waited and waited, and, and I got more and more frightened. Something had slipped. I didn't have any alibi going for me. Then I realized I couldn't go through with it. A prison term for embezzlement was one thing, but the chair for murder, I had to get in touch with Barney. There, there was another bar across the street, the Green Parrot. They'd have a phone. They did, but the booth was occupied. A blousy blonde, her boyfriend stood by the door, weaving slightly. She don't answer. Well, keep ringing it, Dolly. Keep ringing it. I am ringing. Well, we got to get a girl for lefty. Can't leave good old lefty out of the cold, you Wait know. Wait a minute. I got an idea. Huh? I'll call Helen. She's our honey. Lefty will love her. Call her. Just a minute. I got a number right here someplace. Uh, look, miss, uh, could I place a call if you don't mind? It's important. Well, Nerve. We was here first. Well, it's important or I wouldn't ask. Go find another phone. But this is the only one around here, please. Uh, come up here, sport, honey. Let him have a look. All right. But make it snappy, will yes, you? Yes, yes, I will. Thanks. Thanks ever so much. Is this Barney? No, Barney ain't here. Oh, well, can you tell me where I can reach him? Got no idea. Well, when do you expect him back? He ought to be around sometime. Well, how soon? I don't know. He don't tell me nothing. But I've got to reach him right now. Can you get a message to him? I could try. What's on your mind? Uh, tell him. 
Uh, tell him this is the party he sent to the Pelican at 6 o'clock. Yeah? Yeah, well, well, the Pelican's padlocked. I've been waiting outside, but the other party didn't show up, the one I was supposed to meet. Where you at now? Uh, I'm across the street, the Green Parrot. Look, have Barney call me, will you? Say, hey, you got a hot wish, we go. Just a minute, please. L- uh, listen, the number is Grant 4937. You give some guys at least they want Look, to make it Look, please, I'll be through in a second. Uh, have you got that? Grant 4937. Yeah, I got it. I'll tell him when he comes in. brother. Okay, okay, I'm finished. Well, Thanks very much. About time. I took a seat at the bar where I could keep one eye on the padlocked door of the Pelican across the street and the other on the phone booth, and then I started sweating it out. I didn't need the silly cuckoo clock over the bar to tell me the passing of the minutes. Until suddenly I came to myself. Seven o'clock, and that confounded couple was still at the phone booth. Marie, Janet, Ethel, Dorothy. <laughs> well, gee, they can't all have dates. Try another one. Let's see. Oh, here, here's a girl. What do you be crazy about? Yeah, uh, look, miss, before you make that call... Uh, oh, it's nosy uh, again. Listen, I, I'm waiting for a very important call. Won't you please stay off the line for uh, a few minutes? Well, of No, no, no but this is vital. It's a matter of life and death. Ooh, how dramatic. Ooh. No, I mean it. Who writes your material, bud? Ah, go ahead, Dolly. Go ahead. Don't pay attention to this schmo. Look, we got your lefty fixed Look, up. miss, please. You, you've got to get off that phone. Now, nah, listen, bust. The fun's fun, but you watch out how you talk to my girl. I don't see? care. I oh, you to... don't care, huh? Well, now, you listen to me. No, you listen oh, to me. Oh, tough guy, huh? Hey, Dolly. Dolly, it couldn't have lasted very long, but by the time they pulled the drunk off of me, somebody had yelled copper, and there was a big policeman filling the door. Okay, okay, now what gives you? Hey, he did it. No, he I didn't. started to beat up on Harry. No, please, officer, I... All right, break it up. Now back, folks. Come on. Now which one started this? No, I didn't. I, I didn't do anything. Uh, that's I just... enough. That's enough. I better take the both of you. No, but officer, I... Please, I... Wait a minute. That, that's my call. That's the call I've been waiting for. Come along, will you? Don't give me any trouble. No, no, but I must answer that phone. I've, I've you got to... You want to come along quietly or do you want to sample the end of this nightstick? No, but oh. you can't do this. Oh, I can't, can I? Oh, please. Now, what do you think of this? Uh, wait. Uh, now, move, both of you. Hey, uh, look at that. What? Handcuffs. No. What? Oh, brother, you pack a pretty good bunch. Oh, might as well be pretty good boys. Oh, uh, they're taking you away. Ah, don't you worry, honey. Don't worry. You'll be out the morning. Oh, no, please. <laughs> Let me answer that phone. I said move. In just a moment, we continue with... Suspense. This is Johnny Baker with Communism on the Spot. In the ancient world, the top authorities on myths were the Greeks. In our time, the communists have that distinction. One of the top myths they've been circulating is that the Communist Party is a workers' party. Some of its members no doubt answer that description, but these have always been sort of window dressing. Actually, the party is a political machine made up overwhelmingly of state officials, the military, and industrial leaders. The workers in the Soviet Union, like everyone else, take their orders from above, from the bosses of the Communist Party, which isn't a workers' party at all, but is a regimented bureaucracy whose members have only one interest, themselves. And now, 
continue with the second act of Alibi, starring Mr. Everett Sloan. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. The phone kept ringing in my ears. The phone with Barney on the other end. Barney and salvation. And here I was in the squad car, speeding toward the police station, handcuffed to a stupid drunk. <laughs> oh, well, it was a good while a while it lasted. It wasn't a fella. Now, listen, i tell you the truth. I'm just as happy to get away from that pig. I figured I'd pop her off on left ear and get me another girl. <laughs> Shut up, will you? <laughs> oh, no, don't be like that. Don't be like that. You worried about the little woman, maybe? No. Yeah? Come to think of it, the only time my old lady ever believed me when I stayed out all night, I was in jail. She could check up on that. <laughs> Wonderful alibi, jail. Alibi? Oh, the very best. Take it for me. <laughs> yes, of course. What a fool I was. I didn't need Barney now. Sure, it wasn't the most delightful way to spend the night in the drunk tank, but there'd be no question. It was perfect. Barney could go ahead and kill Hannigan now, and I could relax. The police car slowed down and pulled up to the curb. Only it wasn't the police station. It was a downtown corner by a cab stand. All right, you two, get out. What? Get out? Yeah. You two promised to quit acting like a couple of college kids. You can hop into a cab and go home. Officer? You're an officer or a gentleman? Yeah, yeah. I don't see any reason why the city should put you up for the night. There. The cuffs are off. Ah. Now, go on. Go straight home, you Ah, hear? sure, pal, sure. No, but, officer... Now what? Well, I want to go to jail. Ah, oh, don't be a chop chomp. You what? I... I want to go to jail. Why? Well, I... I can't exactly say. You'd better exactly say. I'm giving you a break. Yes, I, I, I know, only... Only what? Only, just don't turn me loose. Okay, buddy, I won't. Let you get going. Oh, yes, sir. So long, chump. I never heard the like. Wanting to go to jail. Yeah, sounds funny, I guess. Sure does. Sergeant will be interested in it, and the lieutenant. They'll want to ask you a lot of questions, mister. Good Lord, that hadn't occurred to me. Of course they'd ask questions. Questions I couldn't answer, beginning with the first fateful one. Why did I want to be in jail when my partner was being assassinated? I stiffened with panic, silent with shock. And then the police car swung into a side street which had just been watered down. It went into a skid. The officer tried to pull out, but he couldn't, and it crashed into a pole, throwing both of us clear. He was out cold, and I... I seemed to be all in one piece... I had to get away from there now. I had to get to Barney and call off the killing. Too many people would ask much too many questions. I lammed out of there fast and ran three blocks until I found a drugstore with a phone. Yeah? Is Barney there? No, he ain't. 
Oh, I, I thought he was. Well, he ain't. Listen, I called before. I left a message for Barney. You remember? Yeah, I give it to him. Well, then then he has been calling me. Where from? Now, how should I know? He don't tell me where he goes. Oh, but I... Now, listen, I give Barney the number. What more do you want? I guess nothing. I was you. I'd stick by that phone. Barney don't like creeps that waste his time. Thanks. Think nothing of it. Well, that was that. I had to get back to the green parrot, dangerous as that was, and wait for Barney's call. I had less than an hour to make that connection. Hey, hey, wait a minute, you. Uh, yes? Ain't you the guy caused a commotion here? Sure you are. Hey, what are you doing back here? Uh, look, bartender, the officer let me go. He realized it wasn't my fault. All I wanted was to answer the phone. Outside. I don't want no troublemakers in here. No, but but if you'll just listen. I, I wasn't making any trouble. It's an important call. I had to get to the oh, phone. Sure, sure. Look, you're breaking my heart. Come on, how do you get out? Do I throw you out? No, you, you, you can't. You... There. That's it. That's Barney. Wait a minute. I didn't say you... Wait, hold on there. No, you're not going to keep me away now. Oh, is that so? You, you, you let me go. Let me get that phone. Hello, Barney. Barney? Hey, where you been keeping yourself anyway? Never mind that now, Barney. Alan, the, the man you told me to be, he never came. What do I do, Barney? Yeah, I know. There was a little change of plan, but don't you worry. Hey, okay, you. Get away from that phone. No. What's going on there? It's nothing. Listen, Barney, that's not the point. I, I want to call it off. Call it off? Yes, you you can keep the money. I, I, I can't go through with it. You can't go through with it. No. That's a laugh. Well, tell me what to do, Barney. Tell me what to do. Ah, uh, shock me, will you? Will I get you out of boot? Please, just one more second. Say, what gives? Skip it, skip it. But hurry, I've only got a second. What do I do? Come to Ninth and Blossom. Somebody will meet you on the corner. Ninth and Blossom, I got it. Thanks, Barney. All right, bartender, I'm going. Well, I'll say you're going. Oh! And don't come back. It's guys like you give a place a bad name. I hit the sidewalk with a jar that shook my spine. And, and then a, a pair of solicitous hands helped me to my feet. It was Harry, the drunk I'd been handcuffed to. Oh, gee, pal, you shouldn't have tried to go back in there. I, I, I oh. told you that barkeeper was tough. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, hey, did you see Dolly in there, my girl? No, no, I didn't. I had my uh, own problems. What's the difference? Who wants it? Oh, look, I'll tell you what, pal. You and me, we'll get a couple of girls. Uh, look, I've we'll got an appointment. That... Now, let go of my arm, will you? Hey, taxi, taxi! Hey, 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 how'd you get away from the cops? Uh, ninth and Blossom Drive, a hurry. Oh, you got a date, huh? Well, maybe she's got a no, friend. No, oh, no, don't no, get in here, please. Like that, will you? Go ahead, driver, go ahead, go ahead. Look, please, it's not that kind of a oh, date. You'll have to get out. Don't you try to ditch your old pal Harry Allen, will you? you? You've got to get out. Did, did you say Allen? Well, sure. That's me, Harry Allen. <laughs> Why didn't didn't you tell me? Well, you never asked me. Allen, and I was trying to get rid of you. Friends to the end. Think of it, that's us. Oh. <laughs> and I thought Barney bungled the whole deal. And, and here you've been hanging on to me like a leech. I might have known he'd handle this in his own way. Uh, say... Don't you think we ought to be someplace where more people can see us? Huh? What for? 
Well, it's, it's nearly nine o'clock, the time I need the alibi, when, when Barney is killing my partner. Alibi? Kill? You're Alan. You said so. Well, yeah. You, yeah you're but... in the restaurant business. For me? You're not in the restaurant business. Barney didn't send you... I don't know, Barney. I don't know what you're talking about, but... What? Uh, hey, wait a minute. Maybe I do know what you're talking about. So that's why you wanted to go to jail. But please, uh, stop! Oh, no, no, stop, no, 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 driver! No, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, let me out. No, no you don't, no, you don't. Let me come out. back here. Come no, back, come, come back here. I got away from that fast. It was five minutes to nine, and Ninth and Blossom was still a block away. I forced my pounding heart until I thought it would burst. You sure took your time getting here. Barney, I... I didn't know you were going to meet me. Come inside, out the street. Oh, sure, Barney, sure. Oh, I thought I, I'd never make it. Barney, what happened? Where was Alan? Don't worry, everything's taken care of. Oh, but I, I, I don't understand. You amateurs never do. Wait a minute. What kind of a place is this? A garage. Go to the head of the class. Well, but, but what kind of an alibi could I have here with you? Where's Alan? The man I was supposed to meet. Him, he's busy. Busy? I told you, there's a change in the plan. He's alibying for another customer. Your partner, matter of fact. Hannigan? Hey, you're real smart tonight, ain't you? You see, I got to thinking. I never worked on credit. Why should I start now? I take a chance on them extra five bills. So I just put it up to Hannigan. You what? Sure. You saw the point right off. Handed up the whole grand right on the line, cash money. Hey, cash for what? Yes. Well, what's that gun for? What do you think? Oh, no, no. Hannigan wouldn't do that. Not to me. Why not? You was going to do it to him? No, 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 no. That's him, officer. He's the guy. All right, Barney. Hold out your hands. Oh. You won't oh. get out of this one. Oh, officer. <laughs> you, you saved my life. You, you, you saw. You, you heard what he was going to do. Yeah, we heard everything, buddy. Everything. You two will make a nice pair of cellmates. Amateurs. Suspense. In which Mr. Everett Sloan starred in Alibi, written by Lawrence Goldman. Listen. Listen again next week. When we return with another tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Supporting Mr. Sloan and Alibi were Ted DeCorsia, Eddie Marr, Sandra Gould, Peter Leeds, Jack Moyles, and Jack Crucian. Suspense.
has been brought to you through the worldwide facilities of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. somebody else. If only Isaac was here, he'd know what to do. 
Isaac ain't one of us no more. He went down the mountain. He went forth from Gilead. Left us and our ways behind him. We was to ask Isaac for help. He just spout the law at us ever which ways. Got to do it ourselves. Got to do it right now. Do what? You got to go some other ways. You and Jesse here. What for, Ma? What are me and Paul supposed to do? You'll fetch someone. So's your grandpa can die. Someone ain't afeard like other folks around here. Someone ain't kin, so we'll let him do it. But who? Who are we to fetch? I don't care who. Someone, anyone, who can take his heavy burden. Well, what if we don't find someone? You got to. Jesse's most a grown man. Between you, you fetch someone. Well, what if they don't want to come? Make them. of the beholder line. Oh. oh. Now I know what they mean by God forsaken. Too bad the scenery doesn't include some attentive young men. Oh, don't start that again. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. Well, I'm just a jealous old man with a young and too beautiful wife. And a vivid imagination. You're quite right. This will be good for both of us. Weak among these hills, among simple people, Away from all the strains of... Oh, 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 you know, I became a teacher because I thought it would be the, the peaceful life. I guess we both got fooled. Oh, now, what's the matter with him? He has more than enough room to pass. It's a police car. Well, why is he waving me to stop? I wasn't speeding. Maybe he wants your autograph. He was smiling. Noon. Anything wrong, officer? I'm sure I wasn't going too fast. No, sir. I just wanted to check. Was you all right? Not lost or nothing. And not many cars ever use this here back road. Oh, I see. Well, no. No, we're not lost. Uh, just taking a drive through these hills. My name is Reed. Uh, this is my wife. Pleased to meet you, Mr. Reed. You, ma'am. Hello. Uh, kind of dangerous, but the road's not so good. Are the natives friendly? Uh, yes, ma'am. I come from around here myself. <laughs> I can see that you're friendly. Can't you, James? My wife has a quaint sense of humor, officer. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, are there any uh, communities near here? Communities? Nests of natives, unspoiled and undiscovered. Oh, you see, officer, my husband is a specialist in folk music, ballads, that sort of thing. He's still hoping to come across some tunes that Carl Sandburg missed. That's so, ma'am? Foreigners. Isn't that what you call us? Yes, sir. As far as you, Mr. Reed, I'd keep right on driving along. Headed right like you should bring you into Pyree. That's the next town. A bit after dark. It's where I'm headed now. You make it all sound dangerous, officer. Don't you think you'd better drive along and protect us? It's an easy thing to scoff, ma'am, when the sun's shining. You take my advice, Mr. Reed, and drive right on into Pyree. Uh, I don't recollect ever hearing any ballad songs like you say around here. Oh, well, uh, thank you, officer. We'll do that. Bye. 
figure they seen us, Paul. Of course not. Can't no one see us. Way this tree comes down. <laughs> we got us a perfect Idaho, ain't we? Mm, she's sure pretty, ain't she, Paul? The way the sun slants off her hair, sort of like gold. Jezebel, all that pain on the face. Come on, let's go. We gonna fetch him, Paul? We gonna fetch one of them into hell. No need for you to be beholden to me. Me and Jesse here admired to take you folks. Oh, well, they say it's just back in the hills a bit. Yep, just short piece. Old Granny Seaman, she's always singing them things. Uh, what'd you call them? Uh, ballads. Yeah, that's it. I know she'd be proud to sing them for you. And you say no one else, uh, like us, I mean, ever came here to hear her? No, sir, we're sort of out of the way, you might say. This will be one in Carl Sandberg's eye. Um, uh, does your friend talk? Ain't my friend, ma'am. He's my boy, Jesse. He talks real good when he's a mind to. Is that so, Jesse? Well, now you're going to start on that boy. Boy? <laughs> he's taller than his father. Well, leave him alone. Of course. What do you take me for? <laughs> Reminds me of that officer. But better looking. can't see a thing except this road and precious little of that. Let's go back. What's the matter? Oh, I don't like it. That's what's the matter. Where are they taking us? For all you know, they could be getting ready to shove us off a cliff. Oh, please. An officer knew what he was talking about, the sunset, and it's not so easy to scoff. All right, I'm scared. I admit it. Now, will you turn around, please? Well, well, you are frightened. Of course, my dear. Something wrong? Uh, my wife doesn't feel well. I'm afraid we'll have to turn back and put off our visit till another time. It's only a little piece further. I'm sure it is, but you'll have to forgive us. Thank you for your kindness. You come all this way. Seems a shame to stop uh, Yes, but my wife... She looks fine to me. However she may look, she doesn't feel... Now, now, really, there's little point in talking about this. If you'll move your mule aside so I can turn around. Didn't you hear what I said? We heard, mister. Well, get out of the way. I don't want to hurt that animal. Nobody's hurting nothing. Listen, you make me. <gasps> now, this scattergun says that you do like I say. Now, now please, we... Get out of that car. What if we refuse? You, you can't kidnap us like this. We'll be missed. Yes, yes, a police officer was talking to us just before... He won't bother us none. You won't be the first that's disappeared in these hills. You come along right now, like we say. We won't hurt you none. Nothing will. Nothing. That's in this world. Walk another step. We gotta keep up with him. It's just over that rise ahead. Well, you seem like a, a nice boy. Ain't a boy, I'm a man. Yes. I can see that. Let me lean on your arm. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's better. You won't let anything happen to me. Say you won't. 
I'm young. You know how that is, don't you? Well, it's different with my husband. It... Oh, won't you tell me what it is? How come you married an old man like that? Promise me you'll protect me. Will you promise me? Hurry up, Jesse. I, I promise. <laughs> That hole. In the hole, it's a grave. Get on up here, Jesse. Time's almost run out. Huh. Real fancy lady. Where's my husband? Old as brass, ain't you? Maybe we'll change that. Come in the house, Missy. Oh, don't be afraid, Lucille. What do they want? All right. You force us here against our wills. Why? You ever hear tell First, of First, a... we let him know we got someone. Let him rest easy. Let him pick the one he wants it to be, so he can die. What is she talking about? Easy, easy. here. Grandpa? Grandpa? Maybe we're too late. No. See his hands move in and fingers... Grandpa? Ah, that's right. You <laughs> Open your eyes. Everything's all right. All right, see? Luther and Jesse got someone. Hold up the lamp so he can see him, Jesse. See, Grandpa? I can't stand it. Which will it be, Grandpa? You show us, and that one it'll be, I promised you. <laughs> then you can drop off nice and easy and peaceful. Make a sign, Grandpa. The man, the woman. The woman looks like it wouldn't make much of a never mind of her. <laughs> the man, he's pointing to the man. So be it. It's all over. He's dead. May the good Lord have mercy on his soul. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, <clears throat> perhaps you'll tell us what you want me for. Yeah. Us folks through these hills come from Wales. Leastways, our old folks did. They brought certain ways with them. Ways that seem strange to others. You ever hear tell of Sin eaten? Well, it's uh, some kind of superstition, isn't it? In this hills, it's a belief. It's true, just as true as sin. It's one way sure a person can go certain to heaven. It's this way. A person goes sure to heaven by having all the sins he's been guilty of transferred to somebody else willing to have them. And that someone is the sin eater? You're wise not to mock. That person is a sin eater. At a death, the corpse is brought out of the house and laid on a bier. Then a piece of bread is brought out and delivered to the sin eater across the corpse, and he eats it. Then a bowl of ale, which the sin eater drinks off in a draft, after which he is given a bit of silver money. Then and there, he takes on himself all the sins of the dead freedom of them from walking the wide world or burning in hell. And that old man in there? 
he was one of these sin eaters? Longer than anyone around here can remember. And this is what you dragged us here for? <laughs> this is what he's supposed to do? <laughs> Eat bread and drink ale and take on the sins that the old man was afraid to die with. Lucille, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. She's a fiat, I reckon. She's got a right to be. She comes so close to having sins done days and years before she was born, waited onto her soul. It was too much for the old man when time came. That's why we had to get you. So he could die knowing he'd be free of them because of a sin eater who'd come after. But what if I refuse? Refuse? You've seen that grave out yonder. That'll hold both of you. If you don't hold Grandpa's share of his sins. Of course he'll do it. Now tell them you will. The wages of sin is death. You offer me death. Either way. Of all the ridiculous mumbo-jumbo I ever heard of, I mean, after Freud and his friends, who believes in sin and eating them? <laughs> These hillbillies are just too much. Jim? Jim, are you listening to me? Jim. Uh-huh. Look, look, Lucille, I, I, I must get away somehow. I don't care what you say, or, or I, I, I won't take, I won't take the slime from that old man, the, the foulness, the filth. Perhaps if, if I was younger or stronger, if I knew less or more, I, look, I'm going to try to run into the trees, and then I'll... Uh, no, now, he's watching, he's got the gun. And if you got away... What about me? He likes you. He likes you. I saw it. Just like all the other strong young men. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Lucille. I, I didn't mean that, but please. Please talk to him, will you? Ask him to let us go. He won't. Well, try. Try. For God's sake, try. All right. I'll try. You poor old man. Jesse, I want to talk to you. What do you want, miss? Oh, just want to talk to you. <laughs> I bet all the girls around here like to do that. Don't they, Jesse? Got no gals around here. These ways not grown ones. Like me. <laughs> I, I never seed one like you. Go hair, smell like flowers. <laughs> Jesse, you like me, don't you? I like you. Reckon I do. You make me feel... <laughs> fun is all I know. Different. Jesse, let us get away. My husband and me. Now, before the others come out. That's what the sweet talking's for. So you, you and him can run. Well, if I was alone, I wouldn't want to leave. But look at him. Poor old man, you see? He's afraid. He'd ought to be afraid with what he's going to do. But I'm going to make sure he does. Your grandfather died happy. That's the main thing, isn't it? Don't care if and he was happy or not. I hated him. Just a mean old man full of sin. Then let us go. No. Ma feels different about him. He was her pa. Besides time them sins was got out of here one way or t'other. Would you want me to be a sin eater? Of course not. 
You heard me talk up in there for you. But don't you see? When we're gone from here, my husband will force me to take them away from him. Just the way you mean to do it now. Please let us go so he won't force me later. If you could come to Pyrie, then, I'd wait for you. You and I could... Jesse, it's time. Come lend a hand. Please, Jesse. Don't you worry none, man. Stand over the corpse. No, do like she says. I, I won't. You can't make me. You do it. Now, you just stand up here nice like. She told me how you treat her. Don't hit me again. Don't hit me. Eat this piece of bread. Yeah. Yeah. Drink this here ale. You'll let us go, but... Now take this here silver quarter. Take it. You earned it. Put it in your pocket. Now repeat after me. For these things given me. Say like she said. Huh? Yes. Yes. For these things given me. I take on all the sins. I take on all the sins. Of this soul departed. Of this soul departed. So help me God. So, so help me God. Leave him alone, woman. He just fainted. Get in the house. Come morning, we'll take you down the mountain. Take care of him, Jesse. Me and Ma will take care of your grandpa. He is at peace now. Where's my husband? Outside, if you want him. <laughs> Jim? Jim! Don't need to be afraid, ma'am. Ain't nobody gonna hurt you. Where's my husband? Can't hear you, ma'am. Well, you'd have shot through the wide world. What? I said I'd protect you. What? Why are you digging? Grandpa's grave's already used, making him another. No. You'll like it here. He's full and quiet. With me. <laughs> you, you like me. Said so in the moonlight. I, I asked Ma, and... Well, she said we can have Grandpa's room. Stay with you? He? You said you'd wait for me and Pyre here or there. What's the difference? Hello? All them sins safe underground where they can't ever hurt you. Hello? Uh, hold on, it's Isaac. Help! Help, officer. He, he killed my husband. They brought us here. He wants to make me stay. Easy, ma'am, easy. Thank God you've come. When you didn't show up in I come back to see. It wasn't but one turn-off, so as I found your car, easy. Arrest him, officer. And there's another one. His father. Kidnapping and murder. What in tongue control the hollering back? Look out. What do you want around here? Oh, I'm just listening to Miss Reed here. Don't pay her no never mind. Well, she was saying... Don't talk. Arrest 
Some you hear that? She wants me to arrest you and Jesse, Pa. Pa? Well, what for, son? Oh, says you kidnap her and kill her husband. She's a liar. She come here to live with Jesse. The police will come. They'll find me. I'm the police, ma'am. I'm also kin to these folks. Seems like I'll be kin to you. My brother Jesse will do right by you. No! Appears like you wandered into the wrong nest of natives, don't it, ma'am? Listening to The Sin Eater, written especially for suspense by Bob Corcoran. So long. Have a nice trip. Don't forget your phone. Planning your vacation or a weekend trip? Well, long distance can be a big help. You decide where you want to go, then just pick up your phone and call ahead for reservations. Make sure of a good place to stay. And while you're away, it's so easy to keep in touch with home by telephone. Well, have a good trip, and don't forget the phone. Suspense is produced and directed by Fred Hendrickson. Music supervision by Ethel Huber. Heard in tonight's story were Jim Bowles, Ethel Everett, Herb Duncan, Ivor Francis, Rita Lloyd, Doug Parkhurst, and Guy Rep. Sound patterns by Walter Otto. This is Stuart Metz speaking. Listen again next week when we return with Snow on 66, written by William N. Robeson. Another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense.